Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. We also want to let you know that you can join us live every Sunday in person at 9 or 11 a.m. or stream our 11 a.m. service live every week on Facebook and on YouTube. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. God is good, amen? Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Um, I am going to hop into the Word in just just a second, but um, this morning I want to start with a uh, quick video. Uh, Well, it's not actually quick. It's about eight minutes long, and um, it's from our senior pastor. He's talking to his father, and um, it was so good that I thought I just want to lead into the morning with it. And uh, it just kind of leads in with, with what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about. And so I'm going to come back in just, just a second and uh, pick up. And we'll, i got a word for you. Uh, but I want you to, to watch this. I'm going to pray over us today, and then we'll hop into this. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the privilege that we can meet together this morning. Um, God, I pray over our whole day. I pray over, over every dad over every man in the house. I pray, Lord, that your peace be in this room. I pray that direction and guidance would be here. Lord, there's so many needs in our, in our house this week, and I pray for every single one of those. But Lord, right now, as we center in, as we break, open the bread of your word, I, I pray that we'd be fed today. So we open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. And uh, we thank you again just for the privilege, just to being together in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys watch this. I'll be back in just a minute. Hey, New Life Church. Happy Father's Day. I've got a great treat for everybody. I got my dad with me. I want to warn you, there's no telling what he might say, but we've had so much fun together, and I just thought it would be great to talk with my dad. I mean, obviously it's Father's Day, but I love this man. And he's given his heart to the Lord. He's doing really well, and he's a blast. Earlier today, I was talking to my dad about something. I said, Dad, you know, where do you, when do you want to die? Do you want to know when you're going to die? And I just thought it'd be funny to go over that again. Dad, do you want to know when you're going to die? No, I want to know where I'm going to die. Why do you want to know where? Because I ain't never going there. Because <laughs> I That's my dad, everybody. And then also, my dad loves Cajun jokes. Dad, what is your favorite Cajun joke ever? This Texan was talking to Boudreaux and talking about how big his ranch was. He said, I can get in my truck and start driving. I won't be the end of my property by that afternoon. Kevin will say, I had a truck like that one time. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get to the end of my property. Okay, so that's my dad. I just want you... Have a little taste of my dad. He always makes me laugh. Well, I want to let you know, this is not something I'm used to. And uh, it makes me a little nervous, and it kind of reminds me of what Moses said. 
No, it wasn't Moses. It was Clint Eastwood. <laughs> a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> so I know my limitations, so we're going to do this as best we can. <laughs> okay, that's my, I think you guys have the point, but here's the deal. Dad, you grew up in church. You were always at church, going to church, but uh, did you have a relationship with the Lord? What, what was it like? Well, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, we went to church as children every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night we were in church. And then when I grew up and we were married, uh, we went to church as a family. As a matter of fact, your mother played the piano. I sang in the choir. Uh, we were church-going family. Of course, I got away from the Lord. And uh, I, I never did not believe. Yeah, Dad, maybe you didn't serve God all of your life, but you still stayed in a prayer place. Like I remember looking through the door at night, that little crack in the door, and see you get on your knees to pray. But that didn't come from a great place. It came from a reoccurring dream. Am I right about that? I had a reoccurring dream that something had happened to you and Randy. Either your eyes had been put out or your hands had been cut off. And, uh, every time I'd have that dream, I'd call home and ask your mother to go check on you guys and make sure y'all were okay. And then I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I am not getting up until you deliver me from this dream. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long I was on my knees, but uh, the Lord came back and said, don't worry about either one of your boys. I got plans for both of them. Well, Dad, I know that you... Uh... You stop going to church for a while. We have some men in our church, they're here anytime they can. But others, maybe they just come a few times a year. And what happened to you in that regard? Well, I don't know if I got lazy or, or what, but I did not go to church. Uh, on Sundays, I would play golf. That was what I worshiped. And uh, whenever you have something like that ahead of the Lord, he does not like that. So it's not bad to play golf, but you no, just put him but in, it was Sundays. You put golf in front of right. God. Yeah. But Dad, something changed because now you're in love with God and you're going for the things of God. What flipped? In May 15, 2014, uh, the Lord said, uh, okay, it's time for you to get right. And uh, what had happened, I went and played golf that, that Thursday afternoon. Uh, on the way home, I picked up some takeout. So I got home and we were eating and I told Linda, I said, you know, I must have eaten too much. I don't feel very well. Why don't you go on the bed and I'll, when I get So you bed, got home from a day of golf and while you're there in the house, all of a sudden you started feeling I started bad. feeling not very well. Woke Linda up and said, you need to bring me to the emergency room. Something's wrong. Wow. And uh, they put me in a room and the doctors came in and said, you got pancreatitis. It's a bigger word than that, but that's what they... That's the gist of it. And that started a year and a half stay in the hospital. Wait a minute now. It was a full year and a half. A year and a half with, a, in that with hospital. a week off here and there. But the minute I would go home, they would bring me back in. I knew it was over a year, but it was a year and a year half. And a half. But yeah. I remember at one point, you were in such agony. Uh, I walked into your room, and you looked at me different than at any point you've ever looked at me before. Do you remember what you said to me that day? Yeah. What'd you say? I asked you to kill me. And uh, I, I was in a place where I wanted to die. I had given up. I was in a place that was dark. There was no light there. And uh, I, I didn't want to live. I was tired of being operated on. I was tired of being in the hospital. And I did. I asked you to kill me. And being a disobedient child, uh, you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> I know. But, uh, but it was more than that, Dad. You, 
you pleaded with me. But what about the condition of your soul at that time? Well, at that point, that was not anything I thought about. Because you were in so much pain. Yeah. You didn't I, think I, about I eternity. I wanted to die. My youngest brother, Mark, who is an absolute sweetest person I know, he said, Richard, you can't let yourself die. You can't take one of the brothers off the planet because you do not want to fight and stay alive. And something he said made me realize he's right. I don't want to die. I want to live. And the more he talked, the more the people in your church were praying for me. My wife was praying for me. So I started fighting. I don't even know how you do it. But I started fighting, and yes, the more did. I fought, the less dark it was. And then it was more light, and then more light, and more light, until finally I was alive and in the light, and that light was Jesus Christ. In First First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1, says that Jesus is the light, and that's where I was. I was in the light, and that that point I determined I'm going to serve him. You know, he, he has spared me. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I did. Uh, once I got out of the hospital and was able, Linda and I started going to church. We started paying our tithes. And I don't play golf on Sundays anymore. But now you're putting God first and you yeah. still have your hobby. Nothing wrong with that. No. But the Lord is the center of it all. Absolutely. Well, Dad, we have a lot of men that are here right now. And um, do you have any parting words for them? Well, I went through a year and a half of a lot of fighting. As a matter of fact, I died several times, and they brought me back to life. And I hope none of you men ever have to go through what I went through. But if that's what it takes for you to serve the Lord, then I hope you do go through it because your soul is worth it. It's awesome, Dad. I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you too. Would you pray for the men of our church? Would I pray? Yes, sir. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word and to witness to those that are watching. And I pray that the words will reach them and their hearts will be touched and they will not have to go through what I went through, but that they will serve you and seek you and raise their family in a church. And I pray, Lord, that there are people out there who will hear this word and that it will change their heart and it will bring them to you because their souls are so precious. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dad, I love you. I'm so oh. glad you're my dad. Well, good. Thank you. I, uh, you're a good man. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, New Life Church. I love being your pastor. It's good to have my dad with us today. Happy Father's Day. You guys put your hands together for these guys. Such a, such a sweet video. I'm, I'm just so thankful uh, for just the... The genuineness that we just watched is so so good. Today, I am going to talk to you for the next few moments, and I am going to speak specifically to the men in our in our in our body today. As a matter of fact, if you are here and you are not a man, you can play on your phone if you want. I, I'm going to uh, just uh, just speak directly to the men today. 
I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the love chapter. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, and um, he makes just a great statement here that is really from the overflow of his personal life. And so he is going to make uh, just, just this big, deep statement about his growth, and I want to apply it to our church this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So this is Paul saying, as I look at my life, I see it in phases or stages. And as, as I look at these stages or phases, I see one as a door closing and one as another one opening to me, and it has completely transformed who I am. He says, I used to think as a child and reason as a child, behave as a child. I, th I think you could chase that on and on and on and on with different scenarios, but you, you get the gist of it is that, that there was a time in my life I looked at how this behavior um, came off as a child, but then something happened and I became a man. And when I did, I put away all those childish things. So my behavior changed, my reasoning changed, my thought life changed, all because I became a man. And this, this becoming of a man does not mean that you can't um, remember those times, celebrate those times, honor those times, be thankful for those times, but it does mean that you don't live out of those times. They, they can bring you joy uh, again, you can celebrate them, but I'm not making decisions today based upon something that was going on in my childhood. Why? Because I've put those things away. There's a becoming of a man that, and it feels different for every person in here, every man in this room, because it plays out in different ways. It, it manifests in, in different ways, many different facets it's like um, one day somebody might say something to you and you take it the wrong way because you're like, don't talk to me like that. I'm a grown man. And it clicks inside of you that you're, you have some independence and some confidence. You're no longer leaning into someone else's story um, to show you how it's done. And so here you stand as a person solo, uh, ready to make decisions about your life on, on, on your own two feet. And so even when you look at, at, at this physically and how you become more confident or you think more clearly, there's also something very, very spiritual about manhood, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But we leave a part of us in the past and now we behave differently, we carry ourselves differently because of this becoming 
of a man. And these mature differences translate differently for everybody in here. It's like suddenly you are now responsible enough to hold down a job. Before, you couldn't. Why? Because you still thought like a child. But now you've got responsibility. Now you have the emotional ability to truly love someone and, and, and love them deeply. And it's someone other than you. Why? Because you are no longer thinking like a child. You've become a man. You can discipline yourself to do just about anything. Why? Because you have become someone who has responsibilities even to yourself. And then innately, as men in this room, God designed you with innate leadership. There's something in you that wants to lead something. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of you um, instinctively want to be a CEO or make impactful decisions about everyday life or even coach your kid's soccer team. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your default setting, manhood comes with a sense of authority. And your authority changes the outcome of circumstances. Whether it be in your home, in your relationships, in the way you parent, where you work, or in our church, you bring leadership to the table. Because it's in you. Now this may make some of you uncomfortable. You go, no, that, that's not me. You missed it. But let me tell you, Paul circles back and he says, there are gifts of God in you and you need to stir up those gifts. Meaning this, there may be leadership in you that's been parked for a long time. There may be certain aspects of manhood that's been in you for a long time and you just had it parked. It's stagnant. It's stale. And he says, this is why you got to stir up the gift that is in you. you got to come back to it. you got to warm it up again. you got to make it part of, of your life and where you are as a man, as a leader for the home, for the community, for the church. Stir up the gift that is in you. So this lands me at Joshua chapter 24, and this is where I want to spend the rest of my time today. Joshua chapter 24, and let me give you some context before we, we read it. This is a big old story. I don't have time to, to lay it all out. But Joshua experienced the children of Israel to the point that he was sick of them. He was part of the upper leadership. God had called him out. Um, he was bold. Uh, he, he was the epitome of masculinity. And he reaches this place where he's like, I'm sick of y'all being blessed so much by God and yet building idols. I'm tired of you being so blessed by God and then wanting to stone all of your leaders. I'm tired of this whole scenario. This brings us to one apex in Scripture, and it's found right here in verse 15, and I'm going to read it to you. He addresses this whole crowd and he says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. And 
In, in, in other words, enough is enough. There's a line in the sand, there's a choice A, a choice B, and here in just a moment, you're going to be on one of those sides. That's what he's saying. Whether the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living, and then he makes this famous statement, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I want to focus on this one part of this whole challenge that he just gave the children of Israel. As for me, and for every man and dad in this room, this is what I want you to take home with you today. As for me. There has to be an as for me before there's a and my house. It has to start with you. This is the pattern that God gave us. Men, you have been given the task since the beginning of time to lead your family. Now, because you're men, I'm going I'm to do tough talk for 30 seconds. And it's this. If our wives are having to talk us into going to church every Sunday... There's some personal shame in that. Why? Because we are the leaders of our homes. If our wives have to convince us to be the spiritual leader for our children, as in like, please go in there and pray, pray with your kids. Please go in there and talk to them about God. Please, do. If, if, if your wife is having to lead your family through you, there's some personal shame in that. Because we, again, are ordained by God. It's the system he created that we lead our homes. That we are the tip of the spear, the first one through the door. We are the one to say, let's go. Everybody up, we're going. We believe in, in, in the local body. We're going to honor God. We're going to dedicate this one hour a week to him. Everybody up. Let's go. Everybody get your mind right. Get your heart right. Let's get into the house of God. Let's engage. And the healthiest church is in the world, statistically, are the ones where men get involved. Why? Because that's the system. That's the way God made it. And you can layer that with culture or philosophy or an opinion, but it doesn't matter. Because that's the way God ordained it. For you to lead your home and ultimately lead our church. As men, God established this for you to be able to make a statement always, as for me, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to start the process. It starts with me. It's going to end with me. And from the overflow of my my desire to serve God, it's going to flow into my family. But it starts with an as for me statement. As for me. And maybe you're here today and you need to re-solidify that. You need to shore it up. Maybe it's that you've, we've come off 15, 16 months of going, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really, you know, do we need church? I mean, do we have, can we just, you know, watch online once a month? Can't we do that? There's got to be, there's got to be a voice in all of that that says no. We believe in the people of God, and we believe in the local church. 
And so, as a man, you've got to be able to say, ask for me. And it starts with that. The men in our culture are in trouble. Masculinity is in crisis. Signs of it are everywhere. Men are wavering because everything they do naturally, instinctively, is under the microscope. People are looking at, at masculinity and going, are we sure that we really want that? Can't, can't those of you who are really masculine just dial it down? For example, if a man commands authority, they're told that they have anger issues. I mean, wow, wow, you are, you are an authoritarian. You should see a therapist. You have anger issues. Or if they stand for something, they're told they don't play, play well with other people. If they say, no, we're going to stand up for, well, you're not being a team player. You're not, you're not coming along. You're not going downstream with the rest of us. If they work hard, they're called workaholics. If they play hard, they're, they're told they shirk responsibility. If they believe in tradition and heritage, they're told that they're rigid thinkers. This constant pressure... Not to be someone who, who is masculine. But that's not how the system works. The stats on fatherlessness in our country is alarming. I could have taken 20 minutes just to talk about this today, but I'm not. If you want to Google it later, you can look up all the statistics you want. Every single one of them are sad. Men are abandoning their posts as fathers left and right. Jump and ship. I don't know why, don't know all the reasons. I suspect it's different for every single person. But men are getting to the point of fatherhood and saying, I'm not, I'm not ready, don't want that, it's too heavy, I can't take it, wasn't ready for it, and so on and so on and so on. And they are leaving the family unit completely. Men are predisposed to figuring things out for themselves. And this comes across as us being stubborn, hard-headed. But innately, you are designed to come up with a solution to make something right. And I don't care if you've got to roll it in duct tape and put a paper clip on it to get it to work. You'll do that if that's what fixes it. Why? Because you're solution-focused. It's, it's in you to make it work, to put your hands on it and fix it. But to really enter manhood, to become a man and put away childish things, there are three things that you've got to get as a man. And here's the thing. All three of these things, you have to do one hard thing to get there. The bridge to these three things is this, receiving. And you're terrible at it. We like to give help. We like to give opinions. We, we, we like to give muscle. We like to give idea. We like to give leadership. But when it comes to receiving something, we really struggle with it. There are men in this church who will give $500 a month to this place but can't receive a $4 cup of coffee from Starbucks from you. Why? Because they, they can't receive well. 
They can give, but they can't receive it. But these three things, men, you can't earn, you can't work for, you can't check off, you can't age through them. You've got to receive them from the Father. And until you do, you cannot fully close the door on childhood and enter fully into the becoming of a man. I'm going to give you these, these three things. The first one is this. You have got to receive an identity. You've got to have it. And you've got to get it from the Father. You've got to be told who you are and whose you are from the Father. This doesn't come from a title. And men, we're notorious for this. The number one question we ask when we talk to new men is this. What do you do? And men are trained to give a, an, an, an answer there. It's got to be a title. So it's, yeah, I'm a contractor. I'm an educator. I'm a business owner. I'm a plumber. I'm this or that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And immediately you're placed into some type of status with each other. This is not the identity I'm talking about. I'm talking about the identity that flows through you and gives you confidence in everything you do, including your career and your marriage and how you parent and who you are when you're by yourself. There is an identity given to you from the Father, and you've got to get it. Here's why. Because men feel anonymous. We try on careers like overcoats, hoping that it will get us settled into some type of identity. You look for it. I'm not trying to be crass, but you look for your identity in the gym or in the bedroom or in things that you can point to and say, you see that, that this, this car? That's mine. Here in a minute, we're, we're going to drive for two straight miles, and everything on the left of me belongs to me. And, and there's something, the pride, the ego part of us. We're, we're longing for identity, for people to say, oh, I see who you are. Yeah, I get it. That's not the identity we're after. Again, we're after wholeness, wellness, spiritual completeness. Because whatever identity that I can build with my hands is as fleeting as fog in the morning. But when a man's identity is given to him from the Father, everything shifts, everything clears, and you awaken. Suddenly, you know who you are. You don't need your wife to tell you. You don't need your kids to admire you. You don't need your friend to be impressed with your new thing. Why? Because your identity has been given to you by God. The second thing is this, and this is a word that we don't use often, but you need to receive a quest. Every man in this room is missional. You need a mission. You need something to live for. This is why Rick's dad just a moment ago had asked him at one point, just kill me, help me. Why? Because he felt like I, it's over. I don't have anything to live for. I don't have a quest. Every man in here Needs something to go after. And again, men, men tend to feel stuck. Some of you right now, you feel stuck in a job that you tolerate. Maybe you even hate it. But you do it because you got responsibilities, okay? You got one foot out of childhood 
and you're into manhood. You got responsibilities. You got to provide. You got your own kids to take care of. You don't have time to shop for jobs. You find one, you get in it, you stick to it, you pay the bills, and you get through life. But you've lost your quest. And again, a quest comes from the Father. When a man receives the gift of a quest, something inside of you snaps to attention. Everything becomes pointed and focused and you start moving. Listen, here's why. Because God created you with an adventurous spirit. Regardless of your personality style, regardless of whether you're introverted, extroverted, something inside of you wants to run as fast as you can, jump off that cliff into the water below just to say you did it. And sometimes an, an organized life that is predictable from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. drives you nuts. And you want to know why you can't settle. It's because God made you this way. And when you don't figure out that that's your quest that's missing, you'll fill it with something else. A lover, a drink, a hobby, something that just distracts you. Because the quest is missing in you. And you can't build it. You can't put your hands on it. It has to be given to you. A life's mission. A calling. The third thing is you've got to receive a guide. Okay, this is, I would say out of these three, this is the hardest one for you to receive. And... That may be un unfair or in, in, inaccurate, and if it is, so, so be it. But in my opinion, I think a guide is, is the hardest one for us. Men come in to manhood and they feel untutored. They feel like they haven't had anybody. They feel uninitiated. And there may be some of you in this room, the reason you feel untutored and uninitiated is because your dad was not around. Maybe this fatherlessness affected you personally. And so now here you are in the process of becoming, and you're stuck back here somewhere with something a dad did, didn't do, said, a dream that ended, a grieving process, a seed that was stuck in you at 12 and now you're 40 and it's an oak tree. And you are having so much trouble with that one statement of when I became a man, I put away childish things. And for you, that is so feels so impossible to you. And so now every time you get upset, you act like you're five. And you think about money the way a 13-year-old thinks about money. And so as soon as you have it, it's gone. You, you get married, you don't know the weight of that, the covenant of that. It's because you have not been able to really pack away all the childish things. You need a guide. You need somebody to help you. Because you enter the exterior life of men, but
but you still have the inner life of a boy. And sometimes you're a boy married to a grown woman. You're a boy raising a boy. And without a guide or a marker through this masculine terrain, you can become quickly disoriented. And this is what I was saying. Masculinity is in crisis, under fire. And so many men today have abandoned masculinity to go, who am I? Like, what am I supposed to do? Am I leading or are you leading? Or is anybody leading? I'll just, wait. I'll just sit around and wait for somebody to tell me what I should do. You've abandoned it. Why? Because you don't have a guide. But when you allow a guide into your life, you hear another voice telling you what you can do with your life. When you have a guide, you hear from another who has negotiated the same treacherous terrain and they know the way. You no longer feel alone and everything becomes tinged with hope and everything becomes filled with possibility and you can move forward with confidence. Kevin, what are you talking about? I'm telling you that you need some brothers in your life that will speak into you. One of the greatest movements men had in my lifetime was a movement called Promise Keepers. And why was that so powerful? Because men were finally getting together and saying things like, I'm not good at marriage. Or, I've got teenage boys, and that whole season of my life was just traumatic, man. I don't know what to do. And other men quickly came around them and said, let me tell you what to do. I know exactly what to, I know exactly how, how to get you through this. Because five years ago, my wife and I were in the same spot. Men were filling coliseums, lifting their hands together, singing songs. It was amazing. Why? Because brotherhood came back to it. Again, men, this, this is what happens to us. We get stubborn. We get in a rut. We say, I can do it. I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody. You didn't need COVID to isolate you. You already were. you got to unzip that tough exterior that the Lord gave you. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't apologize for your masculinity. But let, have, have a brotherhood. Have people in your life who can call you out, who can call you up, who can cheer you on, who can celebrate with you. Have, have a, a brotherhood. Have, have a guide. The surprise of this is these gifts are completely accessible. Jesus took these 12 men, right? He took these 12 brothers, and he gave them these three gifts. He said, your identity is now in, in me. I know you think you're a fisherman. I know you think you're a doctor. I know you think you're a tax collector. But your whole identity is now in me. He gave them a quest to build the kingdom and promised to be their guide through it all. And this is how they, they entered manhood. This is why a guy named Peter denied him three times. But after he put away childish things, he was crucified upside down at his request so that he wouldn't possibly 
have matched the way that the Savior had died. Man, when I look at that, that's got man written all over it. What happened to him? He had a quest and a guide and an identity, and they were given to him. All he had to do was receive of it. So let me close with this. We've got to ask God for these three things. If you're here today and you feel stuck, you've got to ask the Lord for this. God, I need an identity. Okay? I'm living out of my own venture, out of my own success. And so your confidence in who you are rises and falls with the stock market, with whatever job you have, with whatever you've been able to buy your family, with where you live, with what you drive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your resume, the ebb and flow of it, dictates your happiness. Why? Because you're still in your identity and not in his. Some of you are bored to death. You're bored with church. You're bored with your life. You're bored with your marriage. You've hit all the markers, right? All the rites of passage. You got a home. You got a place. You got a 401k. You got two and a half kids. You got all the things, statistically, that as Americans we're supposed to have in order to be successful. But you're bored to death. Why? Because you don't have a quest. There's no fire in your belly. Ask the Lord for it. The church, more than ever, and I'm going to talk about us specifically, us, more than ever, New Life Church, right here, 2851 BB Caps. We need men to lead more than ever to get involved, to get engaged, to serve, to lead a life group, to do something, to take your gift and plug it into the local church. As for me, and some of you just need a, need a guide. Man, you've been flying solo for a long time. Sure, you do things with people, but I can be in a crowd of people. I can be at a concert and still be alone. You need a guide. You need a brotherhood. Open your life up to it. Receive these gifts from, from, from the Lord. And let today be a new day to, to declare to your family, as for me. Men, maybe you need to have a conversation with your wife later. That just says, I, I, don't, I just want to tell you, today's a different day for me. I'm going to start leading this home. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start leading. I'm going to be the first one through, through the door. I'm going to teach our kids how to love God. You say, Kevin, I'm, I, I can't, you know, I'm not good at speaking. I can't do it. Well, then lead by example. Let, let your behavior speak for you. As for me.